Some of you might know, some of you might not know. But the month of August, myself, my wife and the kids, we took a little bit of a sabbatical, a little bit of a break. And um, a time of refreshing and, and, and thank you very much for your grace towards us that we could do that. And during that time, I, I think in my first or second week somewhere, you know, you, you, it's weird. It's weird for pastors because you don't want to think about the church, but you think about the church because it's kind of just part of you. You know, it's like in your blood. And um, I was just, one day I was, I was probably just reading the scripture. I'm in the book of Psalms and it's a wonderful book to be in in this time of, you know, that we all find ourselves in. And uh, the Lord said this to me, he says to me, bodybuilding. Now, look, I have, I know I have a fantastic physique already. Okay. I'm in shape. Round is a shape. And, um, but I said to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand what you want to do. Bodybuilding. And then he took me to the scriptures, which he always does. And he took me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. And you can pop that one up there for me, please, Sibu. And it basically starts off in, in verse 11. It talks about the fivefold ministry, pastors, teachers, evangelists. You guys know that. And then he says, why, why did God allow that? Why did God give those gifts? Because he wanted to do something. He wants to equip the saints. He wants to equip the saints so that the saints can do something to build up the body of Jesus Christ. So giftings. And even what I'm doing this morning, preaching, should be the very thing that equips you. So last week I preached on what the word equip means. And I'm not going to run through the whole preach. Please download it, listen to it. It's on our website. It's available if you haven't listened to it. But it means to... Why is my phone playing? My phone's playing in my pocket. And you don't want to know what it played. Anyway. I'm like, I think I hear Metallica playing in my back pocket. So I'm like, where did that come from? It's the penalty So, So the work is, how it works is the equipping. And the, the word equip means to mend nets. It really means to mend the saints, really. That's what it in essence means. There's a, it's like refurbishing. It's like shifting things so that everything comes into order. It even means this, where political parties, in Greek, where political parties came together and agreed upon it and moved forward in the country. That's what it meant in the language. But this morning, I want us to look at those. The next word in that line is saints. Because a lot of people have asked me, well, you know, what is a saint? You know, am I a saint and is he not a saint? Now, I want to say to you, and I'm going to qualify this morning what this word hagios means. A saint. But before we do that, I want to read that scripture to you in in, um, the Amplified Bible. It reads like this. It says, God's intention, his intention was the perfecting, Ephesians 4 verse 12, I'm just reading out of the Amplified quickly. His intention was the perfecting and the full equipping 
of the saints. He's consecrated people. So in the Amplified, it tells us that we are consecrated people. Consecrated means to be set apart. So a saint, in all its essence, is really a person that is set apart by God to do something. We'll look at that later, the building up of the body. So literally, the word hagios means a holy one. And it refers to one set apart or sanctified for a special purpose. This cup was designed to hold coffee. It was set apart. It was created for a purpose. To be able to hold coffee and it won't burn your hand. God has created you specifically to be set apart for him. And for his work. The amazing thing with the word holy is this. It means otherness. Not other, as in uh, cow's udder. Okay, not otherness. Otherness. It means that you are different. When God calls you, that moment that you have that, what we call the light bulb moment, when Holy Spirit comes and He works in your heart, that moment, that born again moment, is when you become holy. Oh! <gasps> I'm not, you can't say I'm holy. Yes, you are. And you're not. Because you are holy and God's making you holy and you will be holy. God has set you free and he's busy setting you free and you will be free one day. God has healed you and he's busy healing you and you will be healed one day. That's the economy of God. God saves you. And we call that to be justified. But then there's this walk that we walk every single day. It's called the walk of faith. The road of holiness that you and I step on and we start walking. That we are saints set apart for the Lord. Hagios describes all who have been saved By grace through faith. There's no other way that man can be saved. It works like this. I'm going to tell you my story quick. I didn't want God in my life. I was my own God. I was happy with who I am. God came through his Holy Spirit in the middle of the night And he arrested my heart. He came and he placed something within me that I never had. Because it's a gift. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that can give that gift to you. It's called the gift of faith. So faith comes. And faith is a little mustard seed. It comes into your heart. And for the first time, your eyes open up to the scriptures. For the first time, Romans 6.23 makes sense to you. For the wages of sin is death. That's what happened to me. I realized that I'm a sinner. That I am in need of a savior. This all happened in a split second in my bed in the middle of the night. And I realized I need Jesus. I said to him, this is what I said to him. God, if this is you, you can have my life. That's 28 years later. And I pray that prayer every single day as well. Lord, you can have my life. But it's through faith. Then we realize what grace is. 
That is what John Newton wrote when he said, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He was a slave trader. God came and arrested his heart. Pulled him out of the clay that he was stuck in. And placed him on a solid rock. Saints are those who have been taken out of Adam and placed into Christ. If you read the book of Romans, they will tell you, the, Paul will tell you that there was one man, Adam. Because of that man, sin entered into the world. You sin because of you being born into sin. Adam broke something open. I'm going to have a long talk with him when I'm up in heaven. Because I could have been naked in the garden. That's all I'm saying. But Adam and Eve sinned. They were chased out of the garden. The Holy Spirit, God puts, God puts an angel with a fiery flame, a sword in front of that garden. Now the only way, my friends, that we can come back into that garden is if we go through the fire. There's no other way. You've got to come through the fire again. And it's going to burn you. And it's going to take all that nonsense off you. All the things of this world is going to be burned away. So that you can come back into that relationship. And that is what he wants. We were, we were born into Adam, but we were raised in Jesus Christ. He's the second Adam. He's the sinless brother that we have. We are born again because of what Jesus did. I'm, I'm telling, I'm, I know I'm speaking to the converted, literally. But I want you to understand again. This is the premise. This is the basis. This is the qualification that makes you a saint. Saints are holy ones in character. Now, I tell you, that's debatable in my life. Because my character is not perfectly holy. And every single day, I have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. With the help of the Holy Spirit. Why do we repent? Because I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. My character needs to be built. And we are to manifest a conduct reflective of your high position and your privileges that you have. Bible calls you an ambassador of Christ. With that comes certain, certain understanding, certain position, a certain privilege. God's called you to that. We have been set apart by God to be exclusively His. My friends, you were bought with a very, very expensive price. It's the life of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. So my friends, here's my question. If He paid that much for you, won't He keep you? Think about the most expensive thing in your house right now. Think about it. Let's get earthly quickly, fleshly. Think about it. Not your kids. They are expensive. That's to the side. Your wife, that's to the side. That's very expensive. It is. My wife's expensive. Comes with privileges, but it's expensive. Think about the material thing in your house that's the most expensive and then you think about how you treasure that thing. When I grew up, it was a Kirby in my house. You know Kirby vacuum cleaners? 
My dad bought one. Nobody in the house could do that thing. Not my mom, not us, nobody. Kirby slept in his room under a blanket. Because Kirby was three and a half thousand rand back in the day. But my dad cherished Kirby. Kirby came out once a week. Kirby's bag was cleaned. So for those of you who don't know, it's a vacuum cleaner if you didn't get that. It wasn't my mom's name. Okay. Just saying. You guys must be sharp. Yes, you guys are like frozen, you know. Just Think about that. Now, now, what are the thoughts of God towards you? He bought you with, with a very expensive price. Through the death of his son, how much more will he keep you? Is the question I'm asking you this morning. Saint of God. Hagios was used throughout the New Testament to speak of anyone or anything that represents God's holiness. Anything set apart for the common and the profane. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you something. How the Greeks thought about this word hagios. And how the Christians use this word. Because this word is a secular word. So in this context, when Paul's using it, he's saying something. But he's also telling the world something. He says, you guys understand. You guys are devoted to something. You're devoted to your idols. You're devoted to your false gods. You're devoted to these things. And you also set apart. But that's the wrong way, my friends. There's only one way. It's only through Jesus Christ. You see, the Gentile church, especially in Ephesus, where there was primarily Gentiles. We are Gentiles, okay? Unless you're a Jew by birth. They all understood, all these Gentiles, they understood the term Hagios because amongst the pagans, the unbelievers, Hagios was a term commonly used to signify that which was separated and dedicated to the base and idolatrous gods of the time. But which, of course, carried no idea of a moral or spiritual purity within scriptures. We know that. But so when he used this word hagios, he says, you guys understand what it means to be de- dedicated to something. And I want to say to you, what are you, I want to ask you, are you dedicated to, to just a few holes? Are you dedicated to a bottle? What are you dedicated to? Because they understood. Are you a saint of the bottle and a saint of the golf? Sorry, I'm not picking on golfers. I just can't play golf. But the thing is, what, what is the thing that has captured your heart? What is the thing that you are devoted to, that you give yourself to? What is the thing? And my friends, I want to encourage you. If you're a saint, if you're a born-again Christian, the only thing that you should be dedicated to should be Jesus Christ. The only thing. <clears throat> You see, the worshiper of the pagan god acquired the character of their pagan god and the religious ceremonies connected with with their worship. 
If you've ever watched any program on, on pagan worship or anything like that, if you watch Vikings, you'll see the way that they have worshipped their gods. They become like that. And that's exactly the same with us as Christians. We become like Jesus. That's why we are set apart. That's why we are holy. You see... The Greek temple at Corinth, the Greek temple at Corinth housed a large number of, of spiritual priestesses, harlots, who were connected with the worship of their Greek God. They worshiped their God. They devoted themselves to something that was dead. So their set apartness, their holiness, of the Greek worshipper was characterized by licentiousness, total depravity, and a sinful conduct. That's all they did. That's what their character looked like. But you see, Hagios is designed and is designated for believers' position. That we are positioned in Christ as holy and set apart for that which is His. Not for those things that are secular. I'm not set apart for the world. God has not set me apart to be in the world. We're in it, but we're not of it, the Bible says very clearly. And I want to show you something quickly. I think often we, we make this mistake about service before worship. We think like we first got to do something and then we can only worship. But let's look quickly at um, Luke chapter 10. A few verses there. You can give me all the verses if you can give them together. But don't worry, just skip to the next one. Now, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Okay, Mary sat at his feet, Martha. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. And I want to say to you, maybe this morning you are troubled and maybe you are anxious about many things like Martha. But one thing is necessary. And Jesus is going to tell her, what is this thing that is necessary? He's going, to, he's going to give her a little glimpse into this. Mary has chosen a good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, what Jesus is saying to Martha, he says, Mary has chosen to worship me first before she serves. She's dedicated to worship me. And I want us to, even in this week to come, to dedicate ourselves once again to worshiping Him. There's a lot of things that need to be done. There's a lot of things that we can do for Jesus. But ultimately, His first and the necessary thing He says to her, Martha, this is the one thing that is necessary, that she has chosen the better portion. She has chosen to sit at my feet and worship me. That is a saint, my friends. That is the characteristic of a saint, to worship. You see, saints are not to live 
in this present evil age. We are not to, 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 to look at these things of this world. Look at, look at Galatians. We're going to quickly go through some of these verses. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. You see, that's a taking out of. If I'm delivered, he takes me out of this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. He has taken me out of this world. But there's so much of the world that wants to creep in. So much of this present evil age. And we are shaped by it, my friends. We are shaped by the political climate. We are shaped by Facebook. We are shaped by everything. We're shaped by these things. This present evil age is shaping us and our thinking. He says, he has come. To deliver us from this present evil age. In a manner which reflects that we were redeemed. And we were basically recreated in his image. Okay, so let's look at 1 Peter 2, 24 and then 2 Corinthians. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Die to sin and live to righteousness. Josh Jen has got a slogan that says, dying to live. We die so that we can live. There you have it. By his wounds you have been healed. Second Corinthians 7 1. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing Holiness to completion in the fear of God. That's what God has called you and me to. Holiness. Otherness. To be different. To be set apart. We look different. We talk different. I don't know if it's happened to you before, but, but I've stood in lines in, 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 in malls and things like that. And people would tap me on my shoulder and go, there's something different about you. I said nothing. I'm shopping. Something different about you. Something different about you. Let that be said of you this week. Something different about you. You're a holy one in your character. In your conduct. You're set apart for God exclusively. His possession. He bought you. You belong to Him. You see, contrary, and I want to, I'm coming to a landing now. Contrary to some religious teachings The Bible itself never uses the word hagios or saint to refer to a special class of believers who are a notch above, a super saint. There's no super, super saints. We're all saints. Somebody asked something, uh, if you haven't followed Andrew, please do. There's a really great prophetic word that he felt stirring in his heart. And somebody asked me, she says, well, if the elect... And the forerunners will be deceived. What will happen to us poor saints? I'm like, saints are saints. You should listen to my preach today. Saints are saints. There's no special saints. There's not a lead elder saint. And then a common saint. We're saints. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. Because faith has worked in your heart. You're a saint. You know that this is Paul's favorite way of describing Christian believers? 
to the saints in Ephesus. When he writes a letter to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Otsuren, to the saints sitting in front of me this morning. So I want to wrap up quickly. The fundamental ideas of a saint is this. Let's quickly read Romans chapter 6, verse 11 to 14. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Dead to sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey their passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. That's redemption. That's the price that he has paid for you. And your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Your body belongs to Jesus. Young people, keep it pure. Keep it pure. Don't defile yourself with the things of this world. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. I'm not going to expound on that right now. I just wanted to read that. So, a holy one, a saint, is one who has been, has the responsibility to choose to set himself daily apart for God. Romans chapter 12, 1. A living sacrifice. Every day, you need to choose to become a living sacrifice. Romans 12, 1. You can put that up there. Do you have it? Everybody knows Romans 12, 1. There you go. I appeal to you therefore, brothers. Paul writing... By the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice every single day. Make this choice, my friends. We are ones that are devoted to his service. We are devoted to him. When Jesus says to, for us and tells us to do something, then we must do it. Obey him. We are ones that have to be partakers of the divine nature. Second Peter 1 verse 4 says that. And then we are ones who continually choose to abstain from worldly defilement. Every day, you and I must make a decision not to defile ourselves. So, although we as saints, we live in the world, we must always, in in one sense, be different from the world and continually choose to separate ourselves from the world. The standards, our standards, are not the world's standards. We are very different. So I want to explain it and end with a little picture of a boat. It's kind of like a saint who lives in the world. um, It's like a boat. The boat's purpose is to fulfill um, when it is in the water. That's the only place where it's fulfilled. A boat that's standing in the harbor on the land is a useless boat. That boat needs to be on the water. A boat needs to be sub- or, or, or kind of launched on the word of God. But the problem is, we allow some of the world to come into the boat. Some of the world comes in, and, and, I, and often I see Christians literally with little buckets scooping water out of their boats because they're sinking. Because we allowed so much of the world to get into the boat. We need to keep the water out. We need to keep floating on the word of God. That's the very thing that we need. 
We need the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. So I want to encourage you this, this morning. Saints, we must keep our vessels in the water of his word, but not let the water of the world get into our vessels. Paul talks to young Timothy about that. If a man cleanses himself from these things, things of that's unholy, he will be a vessel of honor. Set apart. There's that word, hagios again. Useful to the master. Prepared for every good work. A Chinese proverb speaks to those saints trying to live in the world and of the world. Chinese proverb says this, one foot cannot stand on two boats. One foot cannot stand on two boats. The Bible is very clear, my friends, that ultimately, in actual fact, he asks us, I think it's in James, he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? How long will you waver between two opinions? And if you stand with this foot in the world, and with this world in the church, in Jesus, Somewhere there's going to become a tearing. Somewhere there's a splitting happening. And I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel like you are kind of literally trying to stand with one foot on two boats. I would love you to repent this morning. And choose the boat that you want to stand on. Choose the part that you want to serve. The Bible says today, choose whom you will serve. 